0: Eli. Hi. Your dog got a haircut.
1: He's currently getting a haircut right. as we speak. He's wearing a face mask. So in case you were worried.
0: Are you uh, are you nervous for how he'll look when he gets back?
1: Uh, my dog only gets cuter every single day. So I'm never nervous about that. But I will tell you, so this is the longest his hair has ever been. And um, I always know how good of a dog parent I've been by When I take him in to get his haircuts, they will like feel him up and tell me like, if he has too many mats, they'll be like, it's going to take longer and we're going to charge you more because we have to like work through all this. And so today I was like waiting for the worst and they picked him up and they said, this is the best dog we've had all week. And it's because one of my anxiety, like stress reducing activities through COVID-19 has been combing my dog every day.
0: Great. We've been live for like a full minute now. Welcome to the Beehive Live. <laughs> I am Meg Walt. Well, Walt- I'm not doing great. I am Meg Walter, and I'm here today with Eli McCann, Clint Betts. I don't know. He's probably like testifying before the Senate or something. Uh, Eli, thanks for being my co-host today.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Excited to be back.
0: Glad to have you here. Uh, we got, uh, we've got some things we should talk about. Governor Herbert just held a... Press conference. Did you watch?
1: I did not watch it, but I read some of the statements.
0: That's probably the way to do it. Honestly, man, those things are long. Um, Essentially, the TLDR was listen, there were some decisions made, there were some contracts signed. Contracts signed. We are in a pandemic. We were trying to get things done quickly. I stand by those decisions that we made. And we're going to be more careful moving forward. So sure. if Clint were here, this would be the 10-minute mark for him to, you know, talk about how test, he personally is not responsible for all the things adjacent to Tess Utah, the controversies that have arisen. Um, Clint's not here. I want to say...
1: He is the, personally responsible for all of the things.
0: com uh-huh. has been a real great thing for Utah. Um, There's a Harvard study that has identified the states that have enough testing to start to kind of go back to normal, and Utah is one of those states. We're really lucky to have the access to testing that we do. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of other things that have been going on. There's a lot of questions being asked. I feel like we're lucky to be in a place right now where we're not so preoccupied with the death of so many people that we can think about these questions and, you know, think about other things, honestly. So that's yeah. what I have to say about that.
1: For sure. Can I say something about Governor Herbert?
0: You can, sure.
1: Hot take. <laughs> okay. uh, governor Herbert is a very funny governor to have because. Generally, like most people, don't have strong feelings about him. Not really compared to like most politicians. Not really that strong of feelings about Governor Herbert either way. Yeah, I feel like if I asked everyone I know in Utah, like, what do you think of Governor Herbert? Nine out of ten people, their response would be, "Yeah." And like, <laughs> that's honestly my response too. I'm always just like, "Man, you know, like there, there aren't." I don't know a lot of people who are like focus a lot of energy on hating him. But also I know zero Governor Herbert stands. And yes. every, every time he has like a press conference and says stuff, I have like the same reaction to all of it. It's somewhere between like last and well, it's better. And uh, it's never anything like beyond those things. And
0: frankly, Maybe that's
1: like not a bad thing to have in a governor. I think it's totally
0: fine. Watching him speak, he—I don't think he enjoys public speaking, which is a really funny trait for a governor. Yeah. <laughs> like, what else is your job other than giving speeches? Right. Uh, he just—he really does not seem to enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's just kind of ready to be done being governor at this yeah. point. And yeah. I agree. You're like Governor Herbert. Oh yeah, he's our governor. Do people? <laughs> do politicians? Have have stands when they're actually in the office they were elected for. I feel like there's a lot of campaign stands, but then once a politician becomes an elected official, everyone's like, meh. I
1: mean, it depends. There are a few. I mean, AOC, she's got her stands. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: On a national level, like Nancy Pelosi, she has her defenders that like, if you ever say-
0: Oh I yeah. I see a lot of people who don't like Nancy Pelosi, but I don't see, I mean, okay, I guess, well, does Ruth Bader Ginsburg count? Because I, I no. see a lot of Ruth Bader Ginsburg stands, but that's different, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. But no, I, I do think that you're right. Like during campaign season, people have stands and then once they get elected, it, it seems like most of those people just kind of disappear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on. There's been some speculation that Sundance, the film festival, may have been a coronavirus hotspot. Now, Sundance was all the way back in January. So, I don't know. I'm really interested to see once we start rolling out these antibody tests. Um, And, you know, then there's the issue of a lot of people coming to the film festival from other locations. So, were we actually responsible? I mean, you and me personally actually responsible for a bunch of people getting sick because they attended Sundance?
1: I hope they produce a film about it for next year.
0: Oh, my gosh. We're going to have so many annoying pieces of media come out of this already. Mm. Already. I saw, like, the beginning of a film. Like, what we're going to remember from these times. I was like, nope.
1: Yeah. I never want to see a Zoom interview again when this is over. (laughs) I saw something. There's something so sad about, like, every time I see a clip of somebody being interviewed on Zoom, like, uh, from a late night show or whatever, there's something just sad about it to me. Every time I'm just like, ah, oh, this, you know.
0: And it's sad. The background makes me sad regardless because the background is either, like, sad and I feel sorry for that person or the background's really nice and I'm like, oh, that person is living in a really nice house and I'm very jealous of them. <laughs> you know, I never see a background and I'm like, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel happy and secure about myself with this. Um, so, in addition to the press conference Governor Herbert gave today, Angela Dunn gave a press conference yesterday, and she, you know, there's people who are like, "When are we moving to yellow?" And she says she wants to see a decrease in positive rate before moving to yellow. Right now, we're pretty much holding steady.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: again, we've only been at orange for less than a week. Yeah. Um, we don't know what the effects of moving to orange are yet.
1: Right. Cause there's a lag, you know, it takes a while for people to start showing symptoms. And I mean, if we get to the end of may and our case count is like substantially dropping, like that's awesome for us. But I think we're all wondering if that's actually going to happen with looser restrictions. I'm still a little confused about the color coding system. And I feel like we use different terms to describe the phases that we're in. Mm -hmm. What, What exactly is yellow? Do you know?
0: Uh, I read about it, but I can't tell you the specifics. I think it's...
1: Like, orgies are back on.
0: uh Uh-huh. And also, like, maybe you don't have to limit the number of customers, but you still have to wear a mask, and restaurants can seat more people. I think it's still pretty incremental in the... Loosening of restrictions, but I need to double check that and get back to you. Does any of it mean anything? I don't know honestly Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which like again Leading to the next story. There's these two utah county companies that refused to follow quarantine guidance and instructed their employees to ignore quarantine guidance And a lot of people got sick and because they weren't under an order it was utah county salt lake county was under an order from jenny wilson and from for the city mayor, Aaron Mendenhall, but Utah County didn't have such an order. So there's really nothing they can do to punish these companies. Yeah. So again, like we're moving from red to orange, but if anyone's violating the orange restrictions, I don't think there's really enforcement behind that. You know, we're trusting yeah. people to just be responsible. And here's the thing, I don't trust people, so.
1: No, there, so, the statement that came out of this is a little bit confusing to me. And I'm not sure if I'm reading this correctly, but what what they said is during the tracing contacts conducted by the Utah County Health Department and Utah Department of Health, we found these businesses instructed employees to not follow quarantine guidelines after exposure to a confirmed case at work and required employees to um, go to work. So like, it's one thing if they're like, we want you to come back to work, you know, just please come back to work. It's another thing if they're specifically going to their employees and saying, do not follow the guidelines. Like we don't believe that this is even a real thing. This is a hoax or whatever else. And I can't tell from like the reporting, if this is a case where they just ignored guidelines or if they're like actively uh, giving like false information and instruction for employees to just like ignore what the state or authorities are asking us to do do you have you seen any more on that
0: i haven't but that makes me feel yucky it feels like they and and maybe i'm assuming the worst but it does feel like they're like let's show them you know
1: right and well, that's what i've been because we've we've all been seeing like on social media over the last several days like certain businesses usually kind of smaller businesses in some places like putting up signs where they're like actively uh trying to like speak against these um, restrictions or whatever. And they're, you know, the signs that will say like, we don't want you to wear face mask or, you know, whatever else. And like, that's obviously a different thing than just like not enforcing restrictions in your place of business. And so I would really like to know in Utah, like to what level we're seeing that kind of thing happen, because that's that's an even scarier thing than just apathy, you know?
0: Speaking of Eli... Let's talk about Plandemic.
1: Plandemic.
0: So you are a citizen of Facebook. I, uh, I just, I visit every once in a while. Yeah. So I was unaware of Plandemic until this morning when you told me about it, and I'm trying to process it. But I need you to walk me through it. What is Plandemic?
1: I'm your favorite baby boomer friend on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I am not an expert on Plandemic, to be clear, but all of a sudden, like yesterday, I started seeing everyone that I went to high school with was posting this video called Plandemic. The best thing about Plandemic is its name. I mean, that's a great name for a conspiracy theory.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, it writes itself, right?
1: Yeah. I, you it's have right to,
0: there. Once you
1: come up with that name, you have to make a video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, sure. The worst thing about Plandemic is everything else. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's apparently this like documentary by this woman whose name I won't even say, who is a famous anti-vaxxer or is like popular in the anti-vaxxer world. Mm-hmm. And she made this documentary and essentially she's claiming that they're, that a lot of this like COVID-19 stuff is a big hoax, that we're all getting COVID-19 because people have been getting flu vaccines, and then she's got a whole bunch of crap. Wait, about, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. She said that COVID-19 is a hoax, but we're all getting it because we're all getting flu vaccines.
1: I have not watched the video.
0: Okay. And so
1: I don't know like if it's in if it's internal logic is more or less sound than what I've just described. But these are the things that I've seen my high school friends posting about and like claiming on Facebook after watching this video. Um, and she makes general claims about Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates um, and essentially like accuses them of acting inappropriately and maybe like maybe being a part of the hoax and wanting to spread this thing or I, I don't know. Um, the point is. YouTube found or felt that it violated its terms of service in spreading misinformation. So I guess last night, YouTube took the video down. Yeah. So now this has prompted a new round of posts from everyone I went to high school with and all of my parents' friends uh, about how YouTube and the government and Soros, like, or whoever doesn't want us to get like the information we need to make a decision for ourselves. And it honestly, like I've had, like, we all have like a few crazies in our lives yeah. and that will like post things from time to time that I'm like, oh, there are the crazies. But in the last day, the amount of people that I am connected with who have been sharing this crap is alarming. And I, I think that like, this is just such in these unprecedented times, this is just such a weird situation that we're all living through that like the needle of like, of the people that conspiracy theory catches is like moved. It's like shifted enough and it's just like caught a new group of people that are like willing and like looking for an opportunity to kind of like buy into something or like at least consider these possibilities to help explain what feels unexplainable. But it's scary so i don't advise you to get on facebook
0: are you ready to get philosophical with me mm-hmm. do you think that anger is a more comforting feeling than fear Oof. do you think that people are protesting and looking for their conspiracy theories because they'd rather feel angry than scared
1: I think that anger feels like a way to channel energy. Mm-hmm. Like fear feels like something that's happening to us and anger feels like something that we're making happen. Yeah. And so it does make sense to me that that, that might be the case. I would suggest that an even more positive way to combat fear is education.
0: Well, well- <laughs> You know,
1: like (laughs) if, if you are feeling this, I, I, I actually have this conversation with myself at work all the time where something will happen. I'm an attorney and I, I deal with a lot of stress and contention and sometimes I'll, something will get sent to me or like a document will get filed in court and I'll read it. And I feel like this fear instinct where I'm like, I'm out of my element. This is over my head. I don't know how to like deal with this. Yeah. And what I have found is it is easier for me to get angry about that thing and fester in anger about the thing that's happened happening, but it's so much more productive if I'm willing to just say, okay, I can work this out. I can figure this out and to actually put in the time and effort to research, educate myself. And then usually I feel like I'm in a position of power where I can like deal with the thing. And so I, I feel like that's what we're seeing happen frequently in politics, we see that happen. Um, In big news stories, we see that happen. But I think that that's what we're seeing happen right now is people are feeling like they don't have any power or control. And so there are crazy, crazy people who are willing to feed on that by putting out misinformation to try and get people angry so that they feel like they have something to attach that fear to. And I mean, I don't know what else we can do other than like try to patiently work with the people around us to like educate on like best practices for coping with this sort of thing and understanding what it is. But I think it's going to be an uphill battle that we're all going to have to face for the next little while.
0: Well, and then headed into an election year, like if we're, if Facebook and YouTube are pulling videos and then. People are outraged because those videos were pulled and they're looking t- at that as a sign that what was contained in that video was truth. Then imagine what's going to happen with disinformation campaigns that are launched leading into November. It's going to be a complete disaster.
1: Right. I, I was going to ask you if you think, is it better to leave the misinformation up or to pull it and feed the theories that conspiracy is, abounds?
0: I think we should just unplug social media i know uh yeah i don't know it's speaking of social media um yesterday i think it started yesterday uh is he a senator or representative todd weiler yeah he's a utah lawmaker and he retweeted a tweet from paul huntsman well he didn't retweet it he you know, took a screen grab, posted it, and it was a screen grab of Paul Huntsman retweeting a tweet from the Huntsman campaign. Now, Paul Huntsman is John Huntsman's brother. John Huntsman is running for governor. Paul Huntsman runs the Salt Lake Tribune. And Todd Weiler's point was, are we okay with this with uh, Paul Huntsman who runs the Salt Lake Tribune? Well, okay, runs is a questionable term there. With, on the board. He's on the board. He's technically president, according to some tax documents. Um, at first, I was like, he's a, he's a private citizen. He can do whatever he wants. It's different from his role with the newspaper. That said, he does sit on the editorial board, and he does approve or disapprove of the editorials that are run in the newspaper. In an election year where his brother is running for governor. Now, Jennifer Napier Pierce uh, responded to his tweet and came out with a number of different defenses, but she did not deny that uh, Paul Huntsman approves and disapproves the editorials. Yeah, he sits on a board with two other people, but he still has a say in the editorials that are run in the Salt Lake Tribune. Eli, what do you think about all of this?
1: Breaking news, Paul Huntsman supports his brother. I mean, I just think this is a big non-story, honestly. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I I think that the brother of a candidate being in charge of a newspaper is a conflict of interest.
1: But do you expect somebody who is like on the board of a newspaper to not have political views, generally?
0: no i don't expect that of them but i expect them if it's a family member running for a position to recuse themselves from having a say in what and what is not published
1: i i understand if that's the actual accusation but here's the problem todd todd uh what's his name weiler weiler who drives me crazy on twitter um He's tweeting about how he's angry that this person is expressing a political opinion. I have not seen him actually tweet an accusation that he has actually affected what has been published in the newspaper.
0: Oh, you need to dig in.
1: What, so what specifically has he said?
0: Uh, just that um, there have been a number of editorials supporting Huntsman. Um, and a number of articles supporting Huntsman, um, you know, and articles that defend him that are both editorials and then articles about John Huntsman that are positive. Um, you should read through the thread. I don't want to, um, so I have,
1: I have read through the thread and I think I, maybe I just missed that a little bit. I thought it was more theoretical that he's like, he sort of has said, um, there have been positive things about Huntsman in the newspaper, and we know that the newspaper is connected to the Huntsman family. Therefore, this is problematic. And I know Jennifer Pierce responded in a Twitter thread where she's she said there is some separation between the board and my job, which I actually you know employ and and work with these people to publish these articles. Um, Also, the board makes a decision as a whole. This is one member of a a larger board with differing viewpoints. And so,
0: well, there's a difference between the board of directors and the editorial board.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I understand that.
0: So and what Todd Weiler is saying is that he sits on the editorial board, which makes decisions about what and what is not published in as of editorials. So for me, it started out as a non-story. And then the more I read, um, the more it became a story and something we should be looking into.
1: Okay. Well, then I'm going to expect you to look into it and tell me yeah. about
0: it. And it's ongoing. You should, you should catch up with the thread. Okay. Um, I don't know. It can't be easy for Jennifer Napier Pierce right now. That's, uh, that's tough. It'll be interesting to see. She's had a any- busy
1: few weeks.
0: Yeah. Haven't we all? Um. Uh, to end today, we've got a couple, <laughs> a couple uh, wild stories coming out of Twitter. First, Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses is arguing with Steve Mnuchin.
1: <laughs> what? Okay, I'm just looking at this now.
0: So Axel Rose tweeted, It's official. Whatever anyone may have previously thought of Steve Mnuchin, he's officially an a-hole. Steve Mnuchin, who I guess has nothing to bet better to do right now, responded with, what have you done for the country lately? Which, like, <laughs> what are we expecting Axl Rose to do for the country? <laughs> and then Axl Rose, I I understand, like, 40% of this. I'm going to try my best here. And I don't know if it's because I'm dumb or if it's because of the way he wrote this. He said, my bad, I didn't get, we're hoping to emulate Liberia's economic model, but on the real, unlike <laughs> unlike this admin, I'm not responsible for 70,000 deaths. And, and unlike you, I don't hold a Fed Gov position of responsibility to the American people and go on TV telling them to travel the US during a pandemic. So...
1: You know, it reminds me of this time I went to a football game when I was eight with my father and my dad was yelling out criticism to one of the players. And I said, could you do better, dad? And my dad said, I am not getting paid to do better.
0: Fair point. Fair, fair point. fair point
1: from Bob McCann. I've taken it with me for 30 years.
0: You and Bob McCann and Axl Rose are essentially on the same wavelength here. <laughs> Not really sure what Liberia has to do with any of it, but whatever. Mm. And then finally, you know, Grimes and Elon Musk had a baby. Congratulations to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as we know, the the baby's name is Xk A12. Does and anyone
1: know how it's pronounced?
0: I don't think Grimes knows how it's pronounced, but uh, she explained the name on Twitter. She's... Oh, sorry, my dog. Dog. X, the unknown variable, AE, my elven spelling of AI, love and or artificial intelligence. A12, precursor to SR-17, our favorite aircraft. No weapons, no defenses, just speed. Great in battle, but not violent. Plus, A equals Archangel, my favorite song. Something something. And then Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk tweeted at his wife, who just tweeted this and said, SR seventy one, but yes, like Mansplained the aircraft to her. <laughs> <laughs> And then she claps back, "I am recovering from surgery and barely alive, so may my typos be forgiven, but damn it, that was meant to be profound. So they're clearly doing well. I'm glad that we can all watch the destruction of their relationship on real time in real time on Twitter. What a gift to the world we've been given. Yeah: uh, happy baby to them. Eli, it's been such a pleasure having you here with me today. Thank you for saying so we will be back with the Beehive Live Monday at noon. Everybody have a great weekend. No show tomorrow, but we'll be back Monday and we'll see you then.